All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I am Robert Winfrey, your host. Thank you very much again for listening. Uh, please interact with the product. A little bit like, comment, subscribe, review, share, all of it. All of it helps. I've been doing this for a while. I make the pitch every time. I don't expect it to grow at that all that much at this point. I do this uh, as much because I enjoy it as for any other reason. So, But I'm going to make the pitch because that's what you're supposed to do. Okay. Uh, big show tonight. We have uh, UFC 257. Took place yesterday, and uh, <laughs> well, we had some so we had some fights, we had some finishes, a lot of decisions. Uh, we'll go over all the fallout from that card, and there's going to be some pretty hefty fallout, especially from the main event. Also, it flew under a lot of people's radar for a lot of reasons. But Wednesday there was UFC on ESPN 20. We'll give you a review of that. And news of the week, such as it is. It's kind of uh, a little bit light on the news this time around, but we'll we'll do what we can. Uh, all right. So before we get any further, let me bring on my partner in crime for this evening. 4 one Mania's Jack of All Trades, Jeffrey Harris. Jeff, how are you? Uh, I know who doesn't have the best boxing in the UFC. It's not the notorious Conor McGregor from Ireland. Really? Because I was gonna. You can't set me up like that. Jessica I fought on this card, <laughs> and and Jessica I is the MMA equivalent of King Corbin. Well, it's not it's not Conor McGregor. So much for the so-called best boxer in MMA history, or whatever nonsense he was trying to peddle. Uh. Yeah, thinks he's Muhammad Ali because he because he fought and lost to Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, that's definitely a thing that happened. Uh, yeah, let's let's start with 257. Normally we try to go a bit more uh, chronological, but you're all here to hear us talk about Conor McGregor. Let's start there. UFC 257, your main event. Uh, the aftermath of this we have to talk about with the co- in tandem with the co-main event. So I. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on that in a second. Let's get to the specifics of this one. Main event, uh, from a very successful pay-per-view, I think, uh, what was it, Mike Bond reported that this was trending to do about w- at least 1.6 million buys. So, very, very successful event. Uh, anyway, in your main event, Dustin Poirier TKO's Conor McGregor in the second round. Uh, 2-something of the second, 232. Um I gave Poirier the first. Most people gave it to McGregor. I'm not at all married to my scorecard in that respect. It was a there's a very very cogent argument for McGregor taking the first. But once we get into the second, uh, Poirier had been doing a good job of kind of slipping Connor's punches, of working in the pocket a little bit. Which Connor, Connor's not great in the pocket. He's certainly got power, but he likes to either probe at you and make you extend and then counter you or kind of lead the dance and he wasn't really able to do either of those here uh one of his main weapons he never actually used i was really surprised by it and more surprised the more i think about it but connor steers again a lot's made of connor's hands because that's how he gets his finishes uh the majority of the time but connor's success stems from his ability to set those up a punch is only as good as its ability to land 
And he steers people and sets his punches up with his kicks. And he didn't kick a whole lot in this fight. I was a little surprised. In particular, his uh, his front kick. He's he's very, very good at stabbing that kick into your uh, ribs and just kind of uh, making you miserable and making you do things you don't want to do with it. And he, I don't think he threw it once in this fight. Now, I don't know if that was a deliberate strategic read. I don't know if that was a reality of the leg kicks he took because Poirier chewed his leg to pieces with calf kicks. Or if the Poirier's takedown early in the fight just kind of got his head out of it, decided it wasn't worth the risk of getting taken down again. I don't know, but he didn't really throw it. Uh, and second round comes out a lot more of the same Poirier kind of chopping with leg kicks. They slug, they both land on each other. I mean, Poirier got hit a couple of times. Uh, there was a, Right uppercut in the first that Connor landed that had Poirier, I don't think as hurt as it looked, but his neck kind of snapped back. He did a little bit of a jig. Uh, I think it was more a balance issue than a hurt issue, but you know, certainly it didn't look good. But the damage is kind of added up. Again, a leg kick as Poirier's back was to the fence. He landed a right hook. Connor, his movement compromised, got dinged a little bit there, couldn't get off the fence. Poirier spins, gets him back there, and just unloads until he's able to stop him with a right hook. Uh, this is the first TKO loss of McGregor's entire career. Uh, and the biggest win of Poirier's. Uh, by a, Commercially, by any... I would argue by essentially any metric you wanted to throw at it, this is the biggest win of his and career. he's not getting any pay-per-view points for this. Maybe that's why he was so grumpy after the fight and winning such a big fight. Uh, yeah, he uh, – I don't know the specifics of that, but he even mentioned it. Like he didn't enjoy the process this time around. Didn't like being in Abu Dhabi for two weeks. Uh, didn't uh, didn't feel like he normally did. Uh, so I don't know exactly what contributed to that particular mood, but – Whatever it was, it was real. Got him something for this, you know. It got him his contractually obligated pay. So whatever he's contractually obligated for show and win, and his fifty thousand dollar performance bonus because he was one of the he got one of the performances of the night. But I would I would assume for the Habib fight he got he had to have gotten something because he was the interim. He was, um, if if my understanding is correct, interim champions would uh, do get pay per view like. Interim champions and champ and real champions uh, get the same uh, kind of like pay structure unless you specifically negotiate otherwise. Okay. So he would have. So he would have as champion. He would have been entitled to pay per view points for the Khabib fight. Yes. I mean, I can, I can understand that because you know you're stuck there for a number of weeks. You know you can't really do you can't really do anything and explore. Um, cause you kind of have to stay isolated in, qu- in quarantine and then all you're doing is cutting weight. But I think Poirier deserves a lot of credit here. What a diff, I mean, what a difference just a few years made, um, for this guy. I think we always saw the potential in Poirier, Robert, but he always had sort of holes in his striking, um, I, I would say in earlier in his career, Poirier was primarily a grappler. He's primarily a grappler and submission guy. But now he has a strike, and, and he's very well-rounded, and he's very dangerous. And 
he even said in the first fight with McGregor, McGregor, he was kind of like a deer in the headlights. At the time, that fight was at Featherweight in September 2014. I would say you could arguably have considered Poirier a top five Featherweight at that time. And now he's 32. He's fought, you know, he's been to the top of the mountain. He fought Habib, came up short, rebounded from that. You know, he's been in the fire. Um, and I think, like, I picked him last week, and I was confident he had all the tools to put it together and make this happen. And I don't know. I, Connor, I just don't. I don't think he has good defense, Robert. And I think his boxing is highly overrated. He wasn't checking the leg kicks. And he doesn't he doesn't really like to defend his head either. And his head movement is not that great. It's never been great. And I've seen it in many fights in the past where he just he just stands with his head wide open, his head right there in front, and it's always been ripe for the picking. So I'm I mean and quite frankly, Nate Diaz and Habib Nurmagomedov outboxed him in their fights. So I'm like, why is his boxing held in such high regard? I don't get it. Uh, Nate didn't outbox him. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. He outstruck, he outstruck him standing up. Yes, sure, but that's not, uh, even then not as much as – that fight's an odd case study you know, if you look at McGregor's skill set because what – what Nate does so effectively is very little boxing. It's a lot more uh, clinching. It's okay. a lot more. But in uh, the it's a lot he more was getting dirtying. kicked apart standing up, and McGregor shot on him before getting submitted. Oh, in their first fight? Yes, in the first fight. In their, in their first fight, Connor completely gassed himself out. And Nate, whatever faults and flaws there might be in this in the fighting ability of Nate Diaz, the man has a chin that is almost impossible to crack and look there's the very famous quote about fatigue making cowards of men for a reason you take the best fighter in the world you make them tired and they're not even close to what they used to be and Habib knocked him flat on his rear Uh, that's technically a knockdown but I don't think he landed on his butt when he got hit like that he he was on the ground was down, I have to. I'd have to double check. He got again. Technically speaking, he got dropped. That's absolutely true. His boxing is highly overrated. I'm sorry. Again, it's a lot of people not understanding what makes what when Connor's game works. You have to understand what makes it work, not just look at you know the boxing flashy finish. Boxing hit and not get hit. That is the sci- That's the sweet science. Well, that's all fighting. That's not just boxing. MMA is the same when, way. Even when he knocked out Jose Aldo, Aldo connected before he went to sleep. Yeah, Aldo threw a looping punch and was unconscious when it landed on Connor. That's true. No, uh, look, what again? What makes Connor's game Con- work? I just think Connor is just not. I think he's. Re- I think he's reckless and sloppy. Um, and his car. And his cardio is very questionable. As well, his, his cardio is absolutely a big question mark. That's that's absolutely true. Uh, that's been uh, that's been kind of the book on him for a long time now. And I mean, to see. be fair, to, to be fair but to him, a lot of people have that kind of went 
into the into the later rounds that he won was the Nate Diaz rematch. That's the only one. And that fight was over four years ago. Yeah, the inactivity's been a big problem for him in that respect. I mean, that's uh, his, that's his fault too. That's partially his fault. Uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not the last year, you know, with the pandemic, but you know, all those swaths before that. You know, not being a defend, not being a defending champion, go chasing the fight with Mayweather, which you know, is a big. Hey, I don't, I don't blame him. Him. I don't blame but, him one bit for that with that payday. Not one bit. But what was I mean? Like after the Mayweather fight, like let let's see, he didn't fight for for two years. Yeah. After the, he didn't fight in MMA for two years after Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, his his active fought. He could have easily fought earlier in, in 2018 and defended and defended the lightweight title. Uh, yeah, sort of. Uh, wasn't 18 when he had the fight with Mayweather though? No, that was 2000. That was August 2017. Okay, yeah. So he probably could have at some point in 18 had a title defense. Uh, try either tried to defend the title or come back sooner after being stripped of it. Either way. Yeah, his activity level has been a pretty big problem. I mean, he was off for a while after the Khabib loss before he fought Cerrone. That was, what, a year? That, that was over a year layoff, right? Um, Let's see. Double check that. Yeah, it was. But that he was also suspended because of the... He was suspended after the. Um, well, again, either way, we're looking at over a, we're looking at over yeah. a year off. Then. Yeah, but that was uh, part, little over a year off again. Well, it, I mean, it, I don't know if he had a six month, but he was suspended for his part in the post fight brawl. I, I'm pretty sure it was just a, kind of a six to eight to eight month thing. It was right. a lot. It was. It was yeah, that was fairly also, small. That was another long layoff. And, you know, but, and look, you know how much I love Cerrone, but like, you know, fighting a third, a 36 was a setup. Old, you know, oh, look, let, let, let's call a spade a spade. I'm with you. I respect the heck out of Donald Cerrone, but he was there to make Connor look good. Yeah. He, Connor is the worst possible matchup for Cerrone in terms of style. Like Cerrone's, Cerrone had had his last run at that point and he wasn't having another glorious comeback at that yeah, time. Cerrone, Cerrone's washed. Like he'll still get some wins in the UFC, but uh, he's well, hopefully not. Cause I kind of hope he retires. I, I don't disagree with you there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this was uh, a bad loss for Connor. Um, uh, I, I laughed so hard. There's that, there's a picture floating around wait, on wait, the internet. Okay. I, I just saw they overturned the Nico Price fight with Cerrone because he tested positive the, for marijuana. Did that? Well, that was a was a draw anyway, right? So what what happens when you overturn a draw? I don't know. It's there now. It's a no like what is? What a stupid thing! <laughs> it's what a, a draw. It was a draw for thing. Cerrone too. So what? So what? Well, remember, they, they did that same thing what? with uh, the first fight between uh, Bigfoot Silva and Mark Hunt, right? They, why, why Las they over, Vegas? They over, why? 
Oh uh, yeah, cause yeah, they overturned it, so Silva had an extra no contest on his record, while Marcon still had the draw. I seem to recall. Just stupid thing. So um, stupid, okay. stupid thing. Okay. Anyway, so um, <laughs> before we hang on, before we move on to Poirier, who I do want to give a lot okay, of credit okay. to because he because he's the his place in the division is the most relevant as it pertains to the title picture going forward. Um. Again, this is Connor's first loss via strikes. His next fight's going to be uh, a critical fight for him. He's never lost two in a row. Uh, pretty sure, at least. Uh, but if he drops back-to-back fights, uh, that will that would be a potentially uh, back-breaking turn for his career. So he's, if he wants to go the celebrity. The, the kind of money fight celebrity status thing. You got the third fight with Nate Diaz kind of hanging out there. They could try to cash in for those two, which I wouldn't hate. Uh, not my favorite fight potentially, but I think, I think it could make sense for both guys. If he wants to try and get into the title picture again, he's got to fight another ranked contender. Now, a bunch of the ranked contenders are going to be busy with each other or just not be interested in fighting him in some respects. I think if he wants to go ranked, I saw people float the idea, and I don't think it's, in, I don't think it's wrong. I think you could maybe do Connor versus Tony Ferguson. Uh, that's a winnable fight for both guys. Uh, it's a fight that could easily main event a pay-per-view and be non-title. And, you know, again, you've got Tony potentially on the downside now after two consecutive losses, uh, both of them horribly lopsided. Uh, you've got it's a, and if Connor can beat him, he's, you know, right back in the title picture. If Tony can beat Connor, it's one of the bigger wins of his career, if not the biggest. I think I'd have to go back to some of his wins yeah, more specifically. Well, you can't always write off a fighter after back to back losses. That's, I'm not writing again. I'm not writing him off. I, I just, it just needs to be noted. Those are two bad losses. Uh, do I think Tony is still a very, very capable fighter and still deservedly a ranked lightweight contender? Absolutely. Well, for Connor too. As as down as I have been about Connor, if he were to lose two back to back, you don't have to necessarily write him off completely. Uh, in terms of being a viable, you know, kind of main event property for the UFC, no. But if he drops a second one again, say they make Tony and he loses, I don't think he's ever getting back to the title at that point. Okay. Well, I mean, how badly does he even need a title anymore? That's a, again, that's a valid question. Uh, if he just want again, if he just wants the most valuable fight he can in terms of money, it's the Diaz trilogy fight. I don't think there's like, here's my thing with George, George Masvidal, like George Masvidal, very fun, entertaining fighter, but I just don't think Masvidal is good enough to become an undisputed UFC champion. You know what I mean? Uh, and I I understand your point. I disagree with it. But, but does he need to be? But does he need to be champion to be successful and get what he wants out of his career? At this point, uh, I'm not sure. That's I'm not that's sure. Entirely again, that's entirely down to what he wants out of his career. 
Uh, if he just, if, if, you know, and Jorge, I see your point about Jorge, if he wants, if all he wants is, you know, the most money in terms of the fights that he can draw the biggest, that's probably not a fight with Kamaru Usman at the moment. He was, uh, you know, Masvidal's a much bigger star than Kamaru Usman. And uh, that, my issue with Connor is I wonder if some of the problems he's been facing in the last few years, you know, after becoming a double champion, you know, has success gotten to his head, you know, you know, being the linchpin of like combat sports, being the biggest name in combat sports, getting all that money and then you know, either people are targeting him or being surrounded by bad influences. Um, like, why did no one talk him down from that um, bus attack? Like, like no one, like, did no one try to stop him or advise him or, or just try to keep him from doing it? Like, that's. I, I don't know, like, question. I don't know who he's surrounding himself with, but I, I feel like he's not surrounding himself with the right people. Uh, that's that's a fair that's a somewhat fair observation. Uh, I don't know if it's as true now as it used to be. He seems to have mellowed a little bit over the last couple of years. Hopefully, I would hope so. Well, the last year in particular. But then I there, think, look, and I'm, I I know he has not been convicted. Or arrested, but then there are—I mean, there there are those even, investigations. In, in fairness, he's not even been charged. Right. He's been. But he there, were, being there investigated. were there were multiple investigations against him. Yes. One and which it, happened. Um, um, I don't think he—I don't think he was arrested, but I think he was questioned for an incident last year. Yeah, there was that thing in Corsica. I seem to recall. Yeah, that's yes, that's what I'm referring to. Um, one of the. Uh, he, somebody, uh, I think one of the, I think one of his accusers in Ireland filed a civil suit against him this last, right. uh, fairly recently. Now, again, how much of this is, uh, targeting a famous person? How much of this is, you know, his, he is genuinely guilty. I, I have no earthly idea. I have no I way of knowing, but you know, I, it's just that. There was more than one. There was more than one instance. Like there were yeah, there there were two. I believe two in Ireland, and then the thing in Corsica, right? I believe so. Yes. Okay. So all I'm saying is it it, it troubles me to some degree. It's concerning. That's fair. So again, what's next for Connor? That's going to depend on what Connor wants. If he wants to get back into the title picture, he's got to fight one of the killers. He's got to fight again someone uh, like Tony Ferguson. That's uh, the and, you know that's the fight. Ideally, that's the fight I want. I I think it's the fight both fighters should want too because they can. There are very clear ways both of them can win that fight. Uh, Ariel Helwani is campaigning for the trilogy fight with. Nate Diaz. I also don't hate that. Uh, again, th this is down to what Connor wants his uh, his long term trajectory to be at this point. Mm -hmm. If he if what he wants next is a big paycheck and a I won't say easy fight because Nate's not an easy fight, but 
a paycheck with a with less dire career consequences attached Paul to Felder? it. I don't think he's. Uh, if he wants to fight for the title again, Felder is certainly Justin an Gagey. option. He'd have to fight someone like Justin Gagey if he wants to fight. Yeah, for the he, he's got. He's got to fight again. A Felder, a Ferguson, a Gagey, somebody like that. That that's where he is right um, now. And of those, of those even, choices, even even if you fight outside the top five, Robert, those fights are still dangerous. Oh yeah, especially at lightweight. Oh yeah, like even if, like Kevin Lee is ranked number eleven, that could still be a dangerous fight for Connor. Very. Like I could see, I could see him beating Kevin Lee, but I could also see Kevin Lee, like you know, getting an upset there. Kevin Lee is very skilled, very formidable, very tough. Uh, you've got Rafael dos Anjos uh, returning to lightweight. We could finally now, get that fight. Benil, <laughs> that was supposed to happen. Islam Makachev, I would pick to beat Connor. Uh, stylistically, yes, I tend to agree. Um, Benil Dariush, like I would pick Connor to win that fight, but you know Dariush might pose problems for Connor. I, so. uh, look, it, we're talking about lightweight. It's the most yeah. stacked division in the sport. Lightweight I'm is not, compet- lightweight is very competitive. It's very. I'm gay- not, there's very few fights that you could make that I would wind up going uh, that would be surprised to see either person win. Um, now le- if they. If they were to, for example, um, dig up Anthony Pettis, Carlos Condon, I know, yeah, but fighters have been gone before, Robert. Come on. Pettis has signed with Bellator. Huh? Pettis signed with Bellator. Oh, PFL, sorry. He signed with PFL. Yeah, but will PFL even be around in 2021? Uh... It's a fair question, especially with NBC <laughs> shutting down NBCS. Oh, with NBC shutting down NBCSN, that's yeah. a very fair question. So I mean, I'm just saying, uh, if you like, like those are I would, fights you could dig up to make. I would favor Connor pretty heavily over Pettis. That's that's my point. That's my point. You could dig up Pettis. You could dig up Pettis and Condit to give to give Connor winnable fights that are still kind of marquee, but like are not as like they're not like the killers of their divisions. You know what I mean? That's that's what the Diaz fight. No offense, no offense to Pettis and Condit, but they're just not at that point in their careers. Well, that's what the Diaz fight represents, I think, in a lot of respects, because Nate, while he is a very popular figure and has a lot of skill in certain respects. He hasn't fought since he and Connor had that second fight. No, sorry, he fought Masvidal. Sorry, hasn't fought since the Masvidal fight. My mistake. That's been, so he's been out for a while. Okay. He's. I think he's technically ranked, but I'd have to double check. He shouldn't be if he is. Uh, but th- that's kind of what. Fought, uh, and he also fought Pettis in 2019, so he did fight twice in 2019 at least. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's kind of. So that's kind of what the Diaz fight would be. It's a little bit of a rehab fight. It's not a it's not a gimme, but it's a fight that would do very well commercially. Condit could and, be a rehab fight too. That's what I'm saying. Well, he'd he have to go up to fight it like if he if he wants like a catch weight, like like you know, 
You'd have to go all the way up to welterweight to fight Condit. Probably. So again, and if if that's more what he's looking at doing, that's a viable option as well. Or maybe uh, so, he goes to boxing again and fights Jake Paul. Who knows? Or maybe uh, Pacquiao moved on. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, I think, like in the wake of Connor's loss, has like signed for his next signed for his title fight. Pacquiao he, is still fighting, huh? Yeah, he's a world champion. <laughs> he's 42, I think. But yeah, he uh, he had a dark. His last fight actually I was pretty darn like, good. I thought he was gonna like. I thought he was winding down and focusing on politics, but I guess not. Uh, yeah, no, 42-year-old Manny Pacquiao still out there getting it done, and God bless him. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, so let's move on to talk about Dustin Poirier here. And I, I want to talk about him specifically before we mo- before we talk about the implications from the co-main kind of thing. Um, this needs to be said out loud. If Khabib is actually retired or taking a significant sabbatical, if he's out of the picture, however you want to kind of phrase that. Poirier might be the best lightweight on earth. That doesn't mean he can't be beaten, but he might be the best. He, I can't call him, you know, the best lightweight ever. That's Khabib. I think that's pretty clear at this point. But if you look at the resume of Dustin Poirier, that man has an all-time great resume. Even if we just limit it to lightweight. He comes up, he beats uh, Carlos Diego Fajaya, who's looked pretty good recently. You know, let me bring up his full record. I don't want to miss anything here. Uh, finishes Fajaya in the first, finishes Yancey Medeiros in the first, beats Joe Duffy, knocks out Bobby Green, loses to Michael Johnson. His rebound fight from that was Jim Miller, and in 2017, Jim Miller still had a fair amount of fight left in him. Beats Miller. Fights to uh, no contest with Eddie Alvarez in a brutal fight. Submits Anthony Pettis. TKO's Justin Gagey. TKO's Eddie Alvarez. Clearly defeats Max Holloway uh, via decision. Loses to Khabib. Has a war with Dan Hooker and has now stopped Conor McGregor. That is an all-time... That's an all-timer's resume at lightweight. Again, where you want to rank him if you do the specific rankings, I don't know. That's going to that's gonna come down to personal preference. The, the, only that, thing, the only thing he's missing is the UFC title. That's the only the thing. Un, the undisputed title is all he's missing, yes. Because he did technically have an interim belt. Right. He's, yeah, he, is at, he absolutely has an all-time great resume. But I mean, uh, look, look at Khabib. Beat. B. Gagey, B. Connor, B. Poirier, um, B. Dos Anjos, you know, all champions. Yeah. I mean, let me look. Khabib's the best. Uh, but <laughs> Dustin, uh, that man need, that man deserves a lot more respect than he his has. Drive, I, think. I mean, man, his drive, because, I mean, he's had some tough losses in his career. He's had some. Yeah. He's had some tough setbacks, but he always comes back swinging, and I really respect that. Poirier's never lost two fights in a row his entire career. And not to mention, he's always been a he's always been like just a, a stand up, upstanding ambassador for this sport. Never gets into trouble. He, you know, his charity work. You know, he, he had his he had a wild youth, but he grew out of it and. 
he tries to set a good example for people. He's always uh, assisting with charitable efforts. Um, Dustin, he, you know, he's Dustin Poirier is one of the handful of genuinely good human beings in the MMA. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's the man. He, you know what? I'll maybe I should just say it like this. If the UFC comes out in the next week and says, you know, Khabib's retired, he's vacating the belt, and we're just giving it to Dustin Poirier, I wouldn't object at all. I would not object one iota to that. I wouldn't object, and, no. And his next fight's a title defense. like. Um, but Poirier's next fight has to involve the undisputed title, whether, again, whether they give it to somebody or he's fight, or it's yeah, vacant I and agree. he's fighting either way. Um, that does kind of dovetail into the co-main, and, and I want to talk about this in relationship to the lightweight division. Co-main event... Uh, Michael Chandler knocks out Dan Hooker, 230 of the first. Uh, nice performance from Chandler. Hooker landed a couple of good leg kicks. In fact, that last calf kick he landed, you could see Chandler had a little bit of flashbacks to his Brent Primus fight. Like, oh boy, not again. But he'd been throwing his right hand to the body, getting uh, Hooker to circle to his to to his left to Chandler's left. Uh, this time he just shifted when he threw it. So he stepped through, followed it up with a left hook, crushed hooker down, pounded him out, cut a nice promo. That was a bit, a mix of, uh, he started out as dusty roads. Uh, you know, I'm just a guy from a small town who's been kicked around, had been knocked down, but got back up every time. And every road led me to this point. And then he dovetailed into Ric Flair with a tear in my eye. This is the best moment of my professional career. I'm coming for that belt. Uh, you know, you mentioned it last week. The man's 34. Uh, he doesn't have a... Tr he's you know, what, What's the phrase? He's not here for a long time. He's here for a good time. Right. He does So I don't think we have, you know, five years... We don't have he five years of Michael left of what he's put into his career so far, basically. 100%. And he knows it, and he's not wasting time with this performance and that call. He's He wants to fight for the belt next. Yeah. Uh, again, whether he does or not is going to come down to a few other factors. But the top four of lightweight right now, as I see it, breaks down as follows. Okay. You have uh, – I'm excluding Khabib. Okay. You have – in whatever order. I'm, these are not in order. These are just my top four guys at the moment. Poirier, Gagey, Oliveira. And after this, probably Chandler. Those are your top four guys in position to be in the title picture for yeah. the next two title fights. Here's uh, the hang-up. Uh, in the post-fight press conference, Poirier was very outspoken about not fighting Chandler. He doesn't want to fight Chandler. He said, I guarantee my next fight won't be against Chandler. I would rather... I would rather I'll, I'll sell some hot sauce instead. So he does I, now, fight Chandler for the title. Now, again, whether that's purely uh, public negotiation by Poirier or he means it sincerely, uh, Which, that's either way. Uh, I, I know he said it and I'm, I'm happy to, in some respects, take him at his word. As far as that goes, he really does that for whatever reason, he doesn't want to do that next. 
you, I mean, you've got I Charles. Dis- I think that's a little disrespectful, quite honestly. As much as I like Poirier, I, I mean, I mean, like, come on here. Uh, yeah, I, I can see the, I can see the point there. Um, like, like Chandler. Chandler has not done in the UFC what Poirier has done. I, I understand that. He came in, he beat a top-ranked opponent, knocked him out in the first round. He's beaten, he beat, he knocked out Benson Henderson in his last fight. He's beaten Benson Henderson twice. Mm-hmm. Um, Benson Henderson is a former UFC champion. One of those wins was in 2016. So one of those wins was several years ago, okay? Closer yeah, to all the... Well, the first one was um, right. Benson debuted in Bellator at welterweight. He fought he fought Chandler for the belt, I think, at lightweight. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember the award he from did. that. He did. He won the vacant title. And then um, he beat Eddie Alvarez before Eddie Alvarez came to the UFC and became a lightweight champion himself. Um, and yeah, he did have those losses to Will Brooks, but he bounced back from those. So, I mean, I, yeah, I just don't like, I kind of just don't like that. And I feel like, you know, yeah, he's had to go through a lot to get, to, you know, fight for the title. But I mean, like, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, negotiate if negotiate and get a better deal for yourself if you have to for the for the title. I yeah, do that. But I mean, I, I still find that kind of disrespectful and dismissive of Chandler, who had a spectacular debut. Uh, for whatever it's worth, Dana White did indicate that he thinks Poirier and Chandler is the fight to make for the belt. Uh, that would leave, again, that does Poirier leave Gaethje. Poirier okay with the idea of Oliveira for the title. Which would, look, I don't think, there is not a way, there's not a permutation of those four guys fighting that is bad. There just isn't. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, uh, let's look at let, you, but let's look at Oliveira. Tell, uh, so I mean, hang on for just one second. Okay. You you can't tell me that a rematch with Justin Gagey for Poirier, the way Gagey has adapted his style after Poirier beat him, mm-hmm. their rematch might be better than their first fight. Mm-hmm. So Oliveira has won his last one, two, three, four, five, six, Get last eight. One. He's had an eight-fight eight winning streak, beat Ferguson, Kevin Lee, uh, Jared Gordon, Nick Lentz, David Teamer, Jim Miller. So, you know, only really Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson are really top-ranked opponents in that winning streak. Uh, true, um, but he finished, he, he finished Lee and... Uh, thoroughly wow. dominated Ferguson. Oliveira is still only 31. That's crazy. He's been Dude, fighting for a long time. He's been he's been in the UFC for like 10 years. Um, Oliveira is just a very interesting case. Just sort of what a, his career. If I ever get the chance in a you know at some point in the future to get like the real kind of skinny on the twists and turns of his career, it would be a fascinating thing to look at. He's had a He's had a very, very uh, now interesting he's got he's had quite a few setbacks and back-to-back losses. Yeah, you know he's managed to you know he's managed to rally from quite a few ups and downs too, and now he's 
really in the some best. of those some of those downs being very significant. Yeah. So I mean, so that's kind of like why I don't want to ever write off a guy, you know, even on well, back-to-back uh, in, in somewhat fairness, it's easier to come back from back-to-back losses when you're in your early 20s. Right. Yeah, 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 true. And like, you know, cuz Ferguson's not a young man anymore. No, Ferguson's uh, 30. He's 36 at this point, I think, right? Right. But I just uh, remember yeah. that time Cub Swanson just like Swanson just, made him flare flop. He had the neck injury against Max Holloway. Yeah. He's uh, had some tough losses. He has had some tough losses, so really but, tough ones. But here's my point like I wouldn't be against Oliveira getting a title shot even, but Chandler, I feel like he would be getting a, if he, if he were to get a shot, it would, it would be for the other, he's worked hard. He has worked hard and done some impressive things for his career. And it's not just about getting a win over Dan Hooker. It's like, you know, the guy who beat Benson Henderson twice, the guy who beat, um, uh, Patricky Pitbull, the guy who beat uh, Eddie Alvarez, you know, he's, he's had a very impressive career and a very, you know, he's done a lot of great things. You know, you can't just over, just cause the fights happen in Bellator, you can't just overlook them. You know, I, I completely agree much. And look, no, there's not too many people who make as many jokes at the expense of Bellator as I do, but, uh, you, you know, they do have some very, they do have some talented fighters and they have some good fights on occasion. But it was a great so, performance. Nonetheless, it was a great performance. I don't know what's happening with Dan Hooker. Uh, uh, real tough loss for him, in man. There, so I don't I, know. I, I don't say. know if he's. Re- yeah, I don't know if that was an issue of retirement or if he was just really, really frustrated with what happened. Uh, it could have been either. Uh, yeah, that's a. I'm not going to say a total backbreaking loss for Dan Hooker, but. Uh, you, that's a bad one, man. That's a real bad one. Uh, he's, ha- he's going to have a hard road back if he wants to get to the title picture that this was a bad loss for him. So just last thing before we'll move on, what would your, again, if you, if you're the matchmaker, you can kind of, uh, what do you do with the top of lightweight? What's your title fight and what's your number one contender's okay. fight? I mean, just I would go ahead and book Poirier versus Chandler or Poirier versus Oliveira just because uh, if it's not Chandler, I I feel like it's got to be Oliveira. Okay. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. Gagey's last fight, Gagey's last fight, he lost. Yeah, I mean, again, really – is there anyone who would complain about Gagey and Chandler fighting with the winner getting the next title shot? You know, very clearly spelled out. I want to I, keep, but if, if here's my point, if Habib is, is relinquishing the title, I want to keep the division moving hopefully yeah. as soon as possible. So that's my main interest. Here. That That is kind of my assumption going forward. And I suppose we can talk about this uh, as it relates to that. And incident. this fight uh, was kind of viewed as it was partially viewed as sort of like a title eliminator. So make it has to be, it has to be. Um, yeah. It's, uh, last thing I think on this situation, cause you mentioned Khabib, um, the, uh, 
Oh, good. Do you want to just say the misinformation campaign from the UFC as it relates to Khabib's status? Because I brought this up last... Sorry. No, you're good. So I brought this up last week, right? With the whole the, the ABC garbage? Yeah, well, we made fun of that. Um, And now is like... Uh, Dana White's like, oh, Khabib's like, Dana, are these guys really at my level? Blah, blah, blah. Like, And now is like, come on here. You, I mean... You know Khabib told him all that last time they talked, right? <laughs> I mean, this is not this is not new. Any interview that we you've didn't ever... Need, the thing is, we didn't need that carny marketing BS for that fight no, card. We, we, didn't. Did, we didn't need it for UFC 257 because Connor was there. It, yeah. he, what, people were not going to buy Connor because of the... Oh, maybe he'll fight Khabib again, blah, blah, blah. Like, come on here. No, it was ridiculous. I, It didn't make any sense to me. And if you've listened to any interview Khabib has done, they've all been like in Russian, so they've been translated. But he's, ne- he's never minced his words about, no, I'm done. Uh, it was just the UFC that was saying, no, nah, he might come back. Uh, look, Khabib... I, mean, I doubted it just because, once again, fighters are terrible liars and, and retirements are usually... Uh, Less. But I mean, why does it have to be for a, a trilogy uh, or not a trilogy, a rematch with Connor or whoever? Why can't it be his his the dream fight with GSP? If GSP wants it and it's non-title and he relinquishes the title and has a retirement fight with GSP and GSP wanted the fight, I say go ahead. Uh, I don't see any pro- Look, I don't see any problem with that either, personally. But for some reason, the UFC, I imagine they don't want to acquiesce to financial demands for whatever reason. Uh, look, and whether I'm not here to tell you that Khabib is never going to fight in the UFC again, ever. I don't know that. But even if you want to say this is kind of the typical MMA 18-month sabbatical that a lot of guys mean when they say I'm retiring... You still got to take the belt off him and move the division forward. If so Khabib make... sticks to this retirement, I will have infinite respect for him, and I will infinitely respect the decision. Yeah, I I have no issues with him if he chooses to stay retired. I mean, I'm not cast. There's no judgment for me either way in that respect. Uh, but everything he said so far indicates that. He's done, and again, whether or not that means in two years I potentially come back, I find that unlikely, but like you said, MMA retirements are kind of like pro wrestling retirements. At least they have been historically. But at the moment, you have to move the division along because every indicator from the man himself is, I'm not going to fight again. So uh, yeah, you've got again, you've got a great top of that division well, at lightweight. I was I was laughing when Dana White was walking back on all the Habib nonsense last night. Like the funniest thing in the world. I was so I was so angry. I was so angry. Like because they sent me an email alert. Like they sent out an email alert. Like you better tune in for this. Like there's get like and all he said was Habib wants to see something spectacular and he might come back and fight when it like come on that's not an that's a non-announcement that is a that is not a real announcement it's nothing nothing 
have you seen the picture floating around of the, from the octagon as Poirier is getting his hand raised and celebrating and Dana's in the background just looking like he's had a multi-billion dollar dream shattered? <laughs> I mean, he was, funniest thing. Saying, he was basically saying it at the press conference. That could have been that could have been like at first I thought the rematch could have been one of the top three combat sports. Out. No, Habib Connor rematch would have been the biggest fight of all time. Um, I mean, look, in all fairness, a Khabib Connor rematch would absolutely have been. Uh, I mean, their first one is the best selling UFC pay-per-view ever. Right. Their rematch could have been bigger. No, uh, I, I understand that. But I mean, look, that's the sport. I mean, um, yeah. for a long time, Jones and Silva would have been the, like that would have been the fight to make. Mm-hmm. Cause uh, it, for, like, for how many years was it GSP and Silva that we all wanted to see? Right. But I mean, there were for a number of years, neither Jones or, or Silva were interested in that fight. And when they were finally coming around to it, that's when Silva got, he got uh, knocked out by Chris Wyman and all that went flying out the window. So, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, sometimes these things just aren't meant to be, you know, and you have to kind of just deal with it. But then the sport keeps moving, and even when it has these kind of like valleys, you know, new stars, new stars come up and new matchups come up, like Israel Adesanya. You know, it look, yeah. you know, whenever we have moments when like there are no, when it looks like the news, the big stars are either winding down or they start losing or they or they retire or whatever, and then new stars come up and and have their runs it's that's the way of combat sports it's the way of any individual athletic endeavor yeah. any anything st- i mean not even just that like in, any even uh like music and you know, israel, israel stardom kind of just came out of nowhere you know he he was very successful in a very short amount of time like very few people are able to do yeah when he's <laughs> When he came in, man, he ex- he exploded very, very quickly. And I don't know if I kind I'm kind of hoping like Max's recent performance will make him a bigger star. I don't know if it will, but I hope it does. I feel like he should be I a don't, much star. I think at this point, I don't know what it would take for Max to hit a level higher than he is. You know, I I, I just don't know. Like I I would say he's like a bigger draw than say like. Demetrius Johnson ever was. Yeah, that's probably true. But I still feel like he would he, like. His... Hey, DJ's fighting for the uh, one belt pretty soon. Right. I just kind of feel like Max should have been, you know, should be more respected and highly regarded. But you know, whatever. Max is perfectly highly. Re- uh, Max is very highly regarded. The problem that Max and a lot I of I just feel like pe- like people weren't celebrating this guy when he was like knocking out Jose Aldo, Pettis, and Frank and beating Frank. And so, you look, know. the problem that Max had was uh, he just didn't appeal to the widest possible. Like anyone who watches more than seven MMA events a year has a has tremendous respect and you know borderline okay. reverence for Max but Holloway. I think he's a, he's a fun guy. I think he's a fun guy. Like I think he's got a fun personality. Like I can see why why Mighty Mouse was a bit of an acquired taste and why, you know, he was he's a bit dry at times. Uh yeah. I mean DJ's better on his Twitch stream than he was on the mic. Yeah. But 
And Max is kind of the same way, actually. I don't know if you've checked out his any of the times he's streamed on occasion. Gaming him, but I, do, I think he, I think he, you know, I think he handles himself well in front of the camera. Yeah, I, it's. But I think he gets. I, I, I think it's just. It's just one of those things. You know, uh, different people will reach larger demographics than others based on, in some cases, things you can't possibly understand. <laughs> You know, why do you know, some people just, uh, you know, what, what's the line that, uh, you know, when people talk about scouting talent, if you could put it, if you, if you understood the formula, everyone would have it. Right. Yeah. And not, it, it's weird. And it, I agree with you. Max is phenomenal. Yeah. I don't know why he never uh, kind of broke out of the MMA bubble, but. But yeah, I, I'm, I, I think I lost my train of thought, but uh, new stars, new stars eventually emerged. Even though, like, even though this Habib, con- look, I don't think the I don't think a rematch would have gone that differently. To be frank, if you so mean I'm in not, terms of if you mean in terms of outcome, no, it probably goes about the same. I'm not really heart. I, I mean, I, Dana is heartbroken, but I mean, I well, mean, I just feel I feel you Habib just, is Habib is you one lost, of the worst, worst possible matchups for Connor. I think it's probably better for Connor in the long run that he never fights Habib ever again. You say that because you have no financial stake in it. I, I, for, for Connor's well-being, it's probably better. It's probably better financially. It's probably better for Connor in the long run. If you think about it. Oh, no. Cause you can get more fights out of Connor this way. No, Uh, how many times would Connor have to fight to equal? Let's say, you, let's say their rematch did. Uh, well, let's say fight, did two and a, I mean, look, on. he had this fight, which was not a, a rematch with Habib, and this one it was did a pretty this, big fight, one point six. So let's say, and I think we could, if that if that rematch with Habib happened, I I don't think three is out of the question. Okay. So take whatever. So take whatever he made for this fight and double it. Okay. He would have to have this fight in terms of commercial success twice to equal that one. Well, we'll see how Connor that, bounces back from this. But I and, feel and, like, and for the record, to say nothing of Dana's sad because the UFC gets mo gets the lion's share of that money. Like Dana's like, sad because he watched a three million paper right. a three million buy pay per view go up in smoke. I'm sure ESPN and WME and IMG are not happy about it either. But I mean, again, this is this is the nature of the sport. And you have to, you know, you can't because it's not WWE and not pro wrestling. You can't you can't write the outcome and you have to deal with, you know, the the either the less popular fighter or the upset winner. You know, you kind of have to just deal with it. That's part of the sport. Yep. And I mean, again, there's not a bad if we're talking just about quality of fights, there's not a bad combination at the top of lightweight. There's nothing approximating the commercial success that uh, either Khabib or Connor represents. But again, Poirier, Gaethje rematch, Oliveira and Chandler, Oliveira and Poirier, Gaethje, again, you know, Gaethje and Oliveira, whatever. Yeah, there, there's no bad this. combination. Yeah. They're all great fights. Yeah. So that's kind of the way lightweight stacks up at the moment. Uh, 
Let's see. Next up. Do you want to just do quick hits for the rest of these? I mean, there's some decent stuff to talk yeah, about, I but I don't really, think I don't really think we need to dive too much deeper into the rest of yeah. this card. Okay. Uh, we got... Um, yeah, okay. So Joanne Calderwood defeats Jessica Ivy, unanimous decision, 230-27s, 129-28. I don't really have anything good to say about this fight. Um, I look forward to Valentina killing poor Joanne Calderwood. Uh, because that's probably how that would go. Uh, Mahmoud Muradov defeated Andrew Sanchez via TKO, uh, 259 of the third. This was a decent fight. Muradov is legit. Uh, I think I picked him coming into this. He's on a fairly long winning streak. This is uh, his second win in the UFC. Uh, he's, again, I, I'm not saying champion, but... Uh, He's probably should be fighting someone, I don't know, someone between ranked between like 12 and 18. I know the UFC doesn't release anything below 15, but somewhere in that, you know, above 20 space. Uh, he's, he's a very, very legitimate rising talent for them. Uh, another upset of someone the UFC was trying to push, Marina Rodriguez defeated Amanda Hibas via TKO 54 seconds of the second. Uh, I picked Hebus last week. Her cage cutting was just really not good. And when you just follow your opponent around, it's easy for them to know where you are and then punish you for being where you're going to be. That's kind of what happened here. Uh, Hebus has plenty of time. She's young. The UFC likes her. She's got a, she's one of the, she's got a really uh, bubbly personality and I'm not using that euphemistically for her physical appearance. She, like is a genuinely kind of outgoing, affable human being. So she's they're they're gonna try to rehab her a little bit. Uh, you know, Rodriguez was just a kind of a bad style matchup, it turns out. But women's strawweight, a very good division still. And that was your pay-per-view card. As for the rest of the prelims, Armin Sarukian defeated Matt Frivola via unanimous decision, uh, 3027 twice, and then a 3026. This fight came about in the craziest way possible. Matt Frivola was supposed to fight Atman Izatar. Then, like the day of the weigh-ins, the UFC announces they've cut Izatar. Dana then gives an interview. Now, how much of this... I have no... I think what he's saying is mostly true here. I, again, how much you choose to believe Dana on any given thing is up to you, but his recitation of events is that uh, part of the protocols for uh, COVID that they have there, everyone who's, who goes into the bubble gets a bracelet, and then you can't get it, uh, then no one else can come in without it, that kind of thing. They, Isatar and some of his team cut off their bracelets, gave them to uh, other team members, I think, who went, were not supposed to be in there. They came in with some kind of, like, uh, undisclosed bag. Bad. That they then like uh, tried to deliver to the to his hotel balcony. I mean, it's one of the it, 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 it's insane. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, I, and for the record, I'm in 100% agreement with the UFC's decision here to cut the guy after that. You just what else are you supposed to do? <laughs> uh, and for whatever it's worth, if you haven't looked into uh, Kareem Zidane. 
has some reporting on Ottman Isatar. Uh, if Zidane's reporting is accurate, and the man is probably the best genuine journalist and not a not kind of the you know hype guy that a lot of well, PR. I don't know. You'd have to look. I forget where it is exactly. Uh, Zidane has just touched on Isatar's history a little bit in some of his writing. Apparently, uh, Isatar's got a bit of a sketchy hit past. So Isatar was out. Armin Sarukian was supposed to fight Nasrat Hakparast. Hakparast had a medical issue related to his weight cut, I think. Uh, Non-COVID, at least, is what we've been told. Sarukian missed weight anyway, but they matched up Sarukian and Frivola. Uh, good win for Sarukian. He's Sarukian's a problem, man. He's still got some stuff to iron out in his game, but he's he's legit. He's very legitimate. Uh, Brad Tavares defeated Antonio Carlos Jr. via unanimous decision, 230-27, Fight sucked. Juliana Pena defeated Sarah McMahon via rear naked choke, 339 of the third. I have to bring up one thing specifically as it relates to this. Um... After the fight, Pena said uh, said that you know, she wants Amanda Nunes to stop ducking her. Nunes responded on Twitter. <laughs> what? Saying, hmm? He said so, that? What? Pena? Pena? Yeah, she said, Amanda Nunes, stop yeah. ducking me. I'm the, I'm the title challenger at 135. Okay. Nunes' response was, really, I'm ducking you? You couldn't even become a legitimate contender. Uh, Nina Ansaroff got in on the dogpiling of Pena by saying, hey, remember when you were supposed to fight? Uh, she was. She replied to Amanda Nunes and said, hey, re- weren't you two supposed to fight? And then, you know, Pena lost. And to just complete the total burial, Amanda Nunes replied to Ansaroff with just twice. Uh, I appreciate taking your shot, but... Uh, Nunes just buried her <laughs> with that. Just grave digger bulldozed the earth over that. You got you got buried there. You lost that battle of words badly. Uh, Marcin Prakneo defeated Khalil Roundtree via unanimous decision, twenty nine twenty eight on all three scorecards. Fight mostly sucked. Um, Movsar Evoyev defeated Nick Lentz via split decision. 29-28s. Whoever scored this fight for Lentz needs to be fired. I was 30-27 for Evoyev. I don't disagree. I I can see the argument for Lentz getting the first. I have no earthly idea under what scoring criteria you could have possibly given Lentz the second and no one gave him the third. Uh, Makes no sense to me whatsoever. Shame on that judge. Shame on you. Uh, Lentz retired. He announced on Instagram he took some eye pokes and not this fight, but the one before it that resulted in, I think he said losing like 40% of the vision in one of his eyes. Uh, Lentz had a long career. This was kind of coming sooner rather than later. Evoyev is a very, very legitimate prospect at featherweight. He's, I think this was 14 and 0 for him. Uh, he's legit. He is very, very legitimate. Pay attention to him. And kicking everything off, Amir Al-Bazi defeated Zalgash Jumagulov via unanimous decision, 29-28. Uh, pretty standard flyweight fight. Most people, you know, won't see it or care, but I kind of enjoyed it. 
So anyway, that's the rest of that card. Again, some decent performances, a couple of rising guys on the uh, kind of the undercard section. So, Jeff, anything you want to touch on? Any? I know you're a big Joanne Calderwood fan, if nothing else. Yeah, I'm happy she won, I guess. So I'm, I'm glad she won, at least. Um, uh, let's see. Marina Rodriguez got a good one over Amanda Hebus. So um, good for her. Uh, Mandy Hebus had been doing well before this fight, so this was a good one for uh, uh, Rodriguez. Yeah, that's about it. All righty. Again, that was UFC 257. Uh, UFC came out swinging with this pay-per-view, and their next couple are all, like, their entire first quarter of pay-per-views are really solid quality-wise. I mean, this was kind of a two-fight card. Uh, fortunately, those two fights delivered, more or less. Uh, the next few ones, they they put a lot of value into those. So, be on the lookout for that. All right. There was a Wednesday card. Because, of course, there was. UFC on ESPN 20. Uh, I think I'm just going to go through these. Uh, unless I'll ask you right off the top. Is there anything about these that stand out to you with, uh, off the top of your head? I mean... Um... Solid workman-like performance by Michael Chiesa. Um, it's not going to win him a lot of fans. Kind of what I expected from that fight for the most part. Chiesa's just really good dominant grappler. Um, Heck of a scrambler. I feel like he, I felt watching that fight, he could have maybe done some more damage from the top. You know? Uh I can see I can see that he had to be very careful because most of the time when he had top position, he never had the kind of control you want to be able to really right. unload. So he was he had to resort to just kind of sneaking very stuff. In. I felt he was a little too reserved was my feeling. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, uh, some a lot of that was because of what Magny, Magny was doing. I'll, I'll, I'll give him this. Magny is very he, he is very durable and resilient. He was resilient. But I mean, you know kind of feel like the book on Magny's written at this point, yeah? Yeah, yeah. But anyway. I like Kiesa. I hope he gets a big fight next, but we'll see. So in your main event, Kiesa defeats Neil Magny, unanimous decision, 49-46 on all three scorecards. Worley Alves defeated Munir Lazez via TKO body kicks and punches, 235 of the first. Alves coming off a significant layoff. Nice finish from him. Um, Isaac Villanueva defeated Vinicius Morea via knockout punch, 39 seconds of the second round. Fight sucked. Finish was good. And this fight led, look, that fight led to the best moment on USC commentary in a long time. When Paul Felder, after listening to Villanueva's post-fight, uh, post-fight promo, likened his speech patterns to that of Boomhauer from King of the Hill, which is not an inaccurate comparison. I deeply appreciated the reference, Mr. Felder. Thank you. And not, which is not to say anything bad about, you know, how the way Villanueva speaks, you know, every, every region has idiosyncrasies. He happens to sound a lot like the, like uh, a little bit like that. So I, I, I needed the moment of levity in this card because this was a drag. This card was like 15 fights long. 14, I think. 14 or 15. I'm not going to count again. I don't care enough to do so. Uh, Viviani Araujo defeated Roxanne Modafferi via unanimous decision. 230-27s, 130-26. Uh, just outgunned everywhere. Uh, 
Araujo's a very legitimate flyweight prospect. Uh, she's ranked, I think. Her only loss in the UFC was to Jessica. I I missed weight for that fight pretty badly, actually. I weighed 131 for that. Uh, Araujo should probably be in a title eliminator next. That's just kind of where she is in the division. Matt Schnell defeated Tyson Nam via split decision. This was a fun fight. Uh, this was a good one. Lerone Murphy defeated Douglas Silva de Andrade via unanimous decision. Uh, 29-28 and then the 30-27. Uh, good win for Murphy. Murphy got to show off a little bit more than he has in the past. So, solid stuff there. Omar Yakhmedov defeated Tom Breeze via arm triangle. Uh, 141 of the second. Yakhmedov uh, has some very clear limitations on his game. But... He's a handful for everybody, man. He gave Weidman. He caused a lot of problems for Weidman when he fought him. Ultimately lost, but uh, he's not an easy out. Then for the prelims on that, Ricky Simone defeated um, Gaetano Perello. And that is Perello. He's from Belgium. So that's kind of how that's supposed to be pronounced. Uh, submitted him arm triangle. Uh, four minutes of the second. Typical Ricky Simone fight. Sumu Darji defeated Zarek Adeshev unanimous decision. Fun little flyweight fight. Uh, that was 229-28 and a 30-27. Dolce Lungiambula defeated Marcus Perez via unanimous decision. 29-28. That fight sucked. The younger brother of champion Davison Figueredo, Francisco Figueredo, defeated Jerome Rivera via unanimous decision. 29-28 across the board. Uh, not a bad fight, but... Uh, Nothing terribly memorable either. Um, I don't want to compare. I, I don't want to make the obvious uh, comparison as far as brothers in the UFC's in the UFC goes, but uh, Francisco Francisco looks a lot like Davison. Uh, their faces are very very similar. Uh, at lightweight, Mike Davis defeated Mason Jones via unanimous decision, 29-28. This was a fun little brawl. That was your fight of the night, actually. It was a good one. Um, another potential bantamweight uh, rising prospect, Umar Nurmagomedov, one of the cousins of Khabib, uh, defeated Sergei Morozov via technical submission, rear naked choke, 239 of the second. Uh, Umar has a more refined striking game than Khabib. He has a lot of kicks, but his grappling is very, very good as well. Uh, he's a beast. He is a he is going to be a problem for that division. And kicking everything off, Manon Foyro uh, defeated Victoria Leonardo via TKO head kick and punches 408 of the second. Foyro looked r- pretty darn good. Uh, she got to the style matchup, let her kind of showcase her striking. But flyweight is a division that could use more bodies uh, and people who will get some time to develop. So. Solid. So she seems to be a pretty solid addition. All right. Anyway, that's the rest of that card. So, Jeff, anything else that you wanted to touch on briefly from that? Anything stand out to you? Well, good for Worley Alves kind of coming back and having a good performance. A guy, you know, started off really hot in UFC and then just kind of petered out after the, the win over Colby Covington. Um, well, good, good win, though. Started out All like... Right. Uh, let's see. One, two, three. went four and zero. Then lost back-to-back fights against Brian Barbarena, Kamara Usman. One, two more. 
lost James Krause and, you know, kind of have kind of a weird career track, but, you know. Yeah, inactivity has been a problem for him recently. Welterweight is, but welterweight is a pretty competitive, tough division anyway. Yes, it is. All right. Anyway, that's those events. Both of my reports, if you're interested, can be found in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. Thank you all very much for that. As far as that goes, uh, I appreciate any I appreciate any and all support you guys can give me for that. I know there's a lot of places that you can go to get what I do, and I I really do appreciate the fact that some of you choose to read my work as it pertains to that. So thank you. I again friendly appreciate it. All right, a couple of small news items here. Let's start off with something that I wish to laugh about. So in the lead-up to UFC 257, Dana White in particular had been very outspoken about how much he hates uh, the illegal streaming. There's two issues I want to talk about here related to this, Um, both of which I can laugh about, but we're going to kind of blend them here. Uh, Again, just took the opportunity to re-up his stance about hating the piracy of his product which is entirely his right, as it is people stealing his content. Uh, Unfortunately, Dana White is not the best at uh, kind of arguing his case. Articulating. That too. What kind of came about from this? (laughs) He said, we have found a, we have found one of the illegal streamers and we are, listening to his phone calls. We are watching his house as though Dana is somehow attached to law enforcement here. Uh, The only relevant thing he said that he has any actionable influence over was that if they're arrested, I want to press charges, which is he would be one of the people that would be, that that would be a relevant claim for. So he said, and as soon as this person, so-and-so posts that, post that link, we're going to, we're going to arrest them. They're going to be charged, and I'm going and I'm going to seek the full extent of prosecution that I can. Uh, again, the language he used was hilariously out of touch for what he for the authority he actually has. But that was kind of the stance. Then after the event, someone asked him, "So hey, what happened with that?" Um, his resp- and the story he gives is, "Well, the person we were watching came out and said." I won't be streaming UFC 257. Here's how you buy it legally. And then they shut down their streaming site. This is the that biggest. that actually happen? I don't know. I have found zero corroborating evidence or statements. And until I have them, I'm calling BS on everything Dana White says related to this. This was the most. As soon as I heard his soundbite from that, I about fell out of my chair laughing. It is just the dumbest thing uh it's (laughs) this was just look i'm not here to morally to argue like the moral the morality or the ethics of internet piracy i don't think there's a leg to stand on for them but this this saga he was like we're gonna get this guy if he turns his stream on and all that we're gonna knock his we're gonna knock his door down and we're gonna arrest him and all that that kind of thing is that what you find ridiculous that and then again his story at the end like my words he saw an interview i did and the very power and force of my delivery convinced this person to change their life like get out of here you bald hack it was so stupid just all of it was oh 
It's the funniest thing. Was and the it's event, made, but, but did that, but, but was the event not pirated at all or? Um, no, this was pirated a lot. <laughs> so, like, um, that, hang on, hang on. That's kind of the thing. Like if you take, even if you were to take Dana at his word that this is exactly what happened, they found one, uh, one person streaming this who would have had to have been based in the United States because if they're working with the FBI to kind of combat internet piracy, which again, I, I'm not objecting to that on moral grounds, Okay. but that would have to be localized to the United States. The FBI has no jurisdiction anywhere else. If there's some, you know, Canadian streaming it, what, what are you going to do? It's like some of the, some, oh, God, there's so some many, Europe, some there's so many European countries, countries overseas get the pay-per-views for free. Don't they with their TV deals? Yeah. And yeah. and some European countries don't even have a anything close to the same internet piracy laws that we do here in the right. United States. So if you stream something on a you know, server and website hosted on one of these countries, you can do that without being without actually breaking the law. <laughs> like like international law about copyright, as far as this goes, is not as concrete and enforceable. Uh, as it is in other areas. I also it's, heard people were complaining about uh, the ESPN stream. Yes, this is the other thing I wanted to touch on. Of all the times you could have said, I'm going to go after internet pirates, and there were a bunch of people on Twitter posting their screenshots side by side. Here's my ESPN app that I have bought and paid, bought, paid to watch this pay-per-view, giving me error signs, not logging in, whatever any number of issues here's the illegal stream everything's running fine uh now i forget the gentleman who put this out um i want to say the last name was winter uh i want to get this right so hang on let me i believe i saved the relevant tweet um then yesterday find it compelling podcasting i know um that's john nash honestly i don't take issue with you know going after streamers neither do i, I, think, I, I again the, i think some fans are a little entitled on this issue like horribly i do think now i do think there is a bit of an issue with pricing and i think there should be like we should be getting a break with like ESPN plus subs and all that. Like, I think there should be like more promotional deals. This was, well, this was not this was the first fans. event. Yeah, this was the first event after they hiked the price up again. Right. Yeah. This was like I, a yeah. 70 plus dollar event. Yeah. And I don't I don't know. I just feel like. I feel like there should be more to entice fans to buy more pay-per-views. Um, you know, like a streaming service that actually works. I, I mean, honestly, I don't, I ESPN plus, I don't really have many complaints about other than there are a lot of ads, commercial ads. I have, I have not had the same problems that others have had when it comes to using it, but enough people have had enough problems okay. that I know it's, that it's not smoke and mirrors. This is a real, I mean, okay, but there's, 
Uh, I haven't experienced any major issues or outages yet, but to me, I just think more than the, the, the outages, there just should be like something like with Disney plus, like I did a, a founder circle thing where I subscribed for three years and basically I'm getting it for less than $4 a month to subscribe for three years. Like I would maybe even do that for like pay-per-views. Like let's say I bought into 24 months of pay-per-views, but like I got them at a, at an incredibly like amazing value. Something, I don't know something. Well, here's, here's the truth about kind of combating piracy. You're never going to get rid of it entirely. You just don't. Right. But if you look at the two entities that I think kind of figured out how to fight it the best, you've got um, the music industry, Mm -hmm. where, which, again, you can find free music everywhere. It's a, it is a huge problem for anyone trying to monetize that. But it turns out the vast majority of people are willing to pay as long as they can get it, you know, cheaply have quality service. Yeah. I mean, again, look at, look at like iTunes and Spotify, you know, iTunes was a dollar a song and that alone basically killed the majority of file sharing sites for any number of reasons. Right. The other, the other company that has a pretty decent handle on this, believe it or not, is the WWE. They have been losing television ratings for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Raw, uh, not a joke. At this point, Raw on Monday nights has lower ratings than TNA's ill-fated attempt to go head-to-head with them on Monday. Uh, right. It, TNA's impact, you know, their debut impact against WWE yeah. drew a bigger rating than than Raw does now. Right. But. but they have a decent service in terms of the network that not only guarantees them revenue, but actually functions as intended. And most there's not a lot of growth on the network though. They haven't, they kind of just fluctuate at the same subscriber base. Don't they? Uh, I'm, I'm not in the weeds enough on that to know, but you know, look for whatever they're charging you a month for that. Anybody that's paying for that, suddenly that you know, that's a less that's one less person that's streaming, and they don't have these kind of hiccups. Now, the point I was getting to before, this uh, gentleman, again, I think the last name was Winter. I can't remember his name. I deeply apologize for that. Um, he was one. He had done uh, some work with, I think, HBO when the Mayweather McGregor pay per view happened. And if you'll recall, that had horrible issues of droppage and coverage. And he said that for your that ca- that in that case, the problem was a lot of people buying at the last minute. Um, I, I don't know the breakdown of pay-per-view purchases in terms of how many buy, how at what distance from the start of the event. But for Mayweather McGregor, enough people tried to buy it right before the event, like same day, same, you know, two hour block is when it's supposed to start that it, you know, overloaded their servers and they had to take them down and bring them back up. And they, uh, again, there were tons of technical issues with uh, that event. 
I was covering that event, and I could basically not watch the first four rounds. It was awful. That fight happened four years ago. You should not have that same problem crop up four years later in the same way. And apparently we did. That's the that's the draw. That's one of the issues with streaming media. It can be. Uh, you know, sudden sudden influx of large numbers. Uh, I don't know. And to be fair, that's only a possibility. I it don't know. It should give you a free replay. Happen. I don't You'd know. What like the, the, I don't know what the um what the um. Standard is now, but didn't back in the day, if you ordered an event, you would like get it for, you used to like get the next one for like a replay for free. Um, usually, that, get, usually that... they would, usually they would immediately replay the event. I don't know if they still do that or not, uh-huh. uh, but that, that was the, I mean, again, old boxing, old WWE events in particular was like, Hey, the Royal Rumble goes from seven to 10 and then starting at 10, we're going to rebroadcast it. And if you bought it, you could just watch the rebroadcast was included in your initial purchase. Right. I don't I don't know if that's still true. I I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what the policy is from ESPN Plus about this, but there were a lot of people who had a lot of technical difficulties, and a lot of them were very vocal about it. Um, a you lot of fighters. Really, since it's streaming on ESPN Plus, you can't really DVR it. Uh, can you? Or can you DVR it if you have, like, a, a smart TV? I don't know. Um, I don't know about the smart TV interaction. I think if you – I think – I have to – I'm not sure about this interaction, so please no one quote me. I think if you have bought the pay-per-view, you can access it at any, at any time. And then after a certain period of time, it'll become free to anyone on either ESPN Plus or uh, – oh, okay. Okay, I'll have so, to look into that because I do it. I am paying for an ESPN Plus subscription. As am I, uh, and I use it. It the service is annoying at times, and I don't just mean the ads. There's issues of integration. There's issues of. I think the UI could be up. a little. I think the, it's not the friendliest UI. I think it, that is that is very true. I it think now now I think the. When I'm watching you, when I'm watching, I do watch stuff on my phone from time to time. I think the the like the UI integration on a mobile device, like when you're watching the fights, I like that setup because it gives you all sorts of stats and nice graphics and stuff. That part I like, but I think there, like when I'm watching it on the computer or on my game console, I think there are UI elements that could make it a little easier, like. I think that's one reason Netflix is so appealing and why Netflix does so well. It it has a very good, easy to use UI interface. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they um, have like like the UI interface. I think for Netflix is so good. Like I feel like almost anyone can use it. Like I feel like a toddler could use it and figure it out basically. Uh, probably. So last thing on this, but if you want to know how many people were dissatisfied with the uh, technical side of that event, the hashtag refund was, in fact, the number three trending thing in the United States at one point during this event. Um, this 
this was a technical disaster for the UFC and for the good folks at ESPN Plus to the point that people, including myself, made the joke that I guess the streamer that the only streamer Dana was able to find was the person running the ESPN server. Uh, <laughs> it, it was. Yeah, it, there's a lot of people who were deeply, deeply unhappy and dissatisfied with this. A lot of people did get refunds. Uh, yeah, this was a technical uh, black eye for everyone involved on that level. Uh, so your stream worked okay? Yes. Okay. Don't ask me any more than that, but yes. <laughs> Not great, uh, but... Okay. Hey, for the record, uh, I... I do buy these, but when the technical issues started, because I, you know, kind of because I buy it, I don't feel any sort of moral or ethical culpability in having a more technically sound fallback option than your glitchy service. Um, look, there's definitely some constru- constructive criticism. And hopefully they will work on that. But I think more than anything, I think there needs to be, I don't know, if if they could figure out some sort of pay-per-view promotion or something for the ESPN subscribers, I think that would be very good. So I don't know, something, something to entice fans, especially during a global pandemic, you know, when we need that. You'd like, you would like to think that, you know, with unemployment the way it is and... Uh, you know, the state of the world that saying, hey, 75 bucks to watch Connor and Dustin maybe wasn't the I mean, well, you know, hey, what what do I know? They sold, you know, north of one point five million uh, buys on that. So, you know, who am I? Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of people taking uh, a tenth of that six hundred dollar check and throwing it onto this. Uh, Speaking loosely of the government here in the United States and federal regulations and whatnot, the last bit of news I have here is something forward-looking as it kind of pertains to the UFC. Uh, The new presidential administration here in the United States, uh, I am not very clear about this. I don't talk politics here as as an espousal of my personal view. I try... But where they intersect, they need to be discussed. Uh, The Biden administration is, at this particular point, considering more severe national lockdowns. They've kind of tossed around the idea I saw reported of kind of what Canada is doing right now. Canada at the moment is starting to implement or uh, in the process of implementing something like what New Zealand and other countries have, which is anyone that comes into the into the country whether they have symptoms or not, has to be quarantined for 14 days. Here's what I'm Uh, reading on USA Today. Um, Apply to non-U.S. citizens who have been in Brazil, Ireland, the U.K., much of Europe. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. This was according to a White House official who is not authorized to speak ahead of the official announcement. So an official announcement has still not been made yet. I imagine that will be forthcoming, but yeah, so point being they're looking at, that is something that the current administration is looking at implementing. That would be a logistical 
hurdle of some significance for the UFC to overcome if they wanted to continue to have, a, if they wanted to have a lot of events in the United States. Now, right now, they are currently projected to return to the Apex facility starting with, I believe, their next event, which will be on February, uh, whatever, February, whenever the first February is, the 6th. That's it. Good job, Robert. Um, the Overeem and Volkov fight is supposed to be at their facility in Las Vegas. Uh, if that goes into effect, that's going to be, again, kind of a headache for them having to get people in and potentially out of the country. And I don't mean that nefariously. Not impossible. Not impossible, just a significant hurdle. Uh, especially with, if you look at some of that card, um, I think Overeem trains in Denver at the moment, but Volkov, I believe, is still located in Russia. The CDC recommends a seven-day quarantine for air travelers arriving in the United States after being tested. Yeah, and again, depend. Uh, that's what the CDC recommends. Again, places like New Zealand and Australia, you come back, you come into the country. Doesn't matter if you have symptoms or what. You are in a hotel for two weeks, and you're paying for it, and then you can re-enter society. But how do you how do you explain? When you have places that are so heavily locked down and the numbers just aren't changing or aren't going down. Well, the reality is that places that have locked down that extremely are kind of have kind of been over it. I, I think New Zealand is still without COVID cases. I'd have to double check that, but New but Zealand what about has California. Uh, how heavily locked down are you? We're, we're like in the heaviest lockdown out of anyone. I, I, no, I kind of mean that specifically. Like when I say how heavily locked down are you, are people still coming in and out of your state? I think, I think I'm actually not sure on that. Let's see. I uh, think that that's a significant component. General population density is still a component. And there's also, again, I think there's a stay at home. I think there's a stay at home order. Uh, Currently ordered to stay at home or at their place of residence, except for permitted work, local shopping or other permitted errands or as otherwise authorized. Ta -ta -ta. The, that's as of January 15th. You see all those caveats they threw onto that? That's kind of where, that's kind of where it's biting you. Look, um, I'm not a big advocate for lockdowns like that. They're not a long-term solution. This is known by everyone, including the CDC, when they recommend them on occasion. I, I mean, partially you guys are not as heavily locked. You guys are somewhat heavily locked down, but uh, again, places like New Zealand, they closed their borders, so. And then said, OK, we're going to kind of this is going to run in the country to the extent that it's going to run. We're going to fight it as best we can. But once it's done, we are going to go out of our way to make sure no one bringing it gets that it is that it never gets back into. Uh, I can't really fault that, honestly. I especially I look, it, it now works. that there are variant strains coming around now, aren't there? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, look, we have 
we have the vaccine starting to kind of roll out here in the here in the United States. Apparently, the vaccine is not a cure all. No, it isn't. Uh, it's multiple shots. Uh, I think two. And apparently, it's still transmissible. Like you won't get sick, but you could still pass it to other people. Uh, it's not a good vaccine, in my my opinion. Well, you, you try to deal with a vaccine for a very for a highly contagious you know, kind of not full on airborne, but kind of airborne disease. It's uh, those are always tricky. Uh, I mean, the flu is the same way, right? You have stuff that's supposed to help, but it, nothing is guaranteed. So point being, if the Biden administration does try to implement those uh, particular restrictions, it might throw a handful of monkey wrenches into the UFC's plans. Um, I want to double check how long yeah, the UFC's set be back sport, in the They give sports league special like exemptions. It's like and a lot would- of. Yeah. Good. No, go, go ahead. Because like some movie, pro- like some movie productions have had to shut down, but I think some film productions are still allowed to go ahead, um, even with all the, you know, all the businesses shutting down and everything. Um, so sports leagues might, they might give them exemptions, but we'll see. Uh, again, that's not in, that's not impossible, but the uh, the UFC's relationship with this administration is not what it was with the previous administration. True, but one thing we can say in Dana White and the UFC's favor, they have, they did sort of do a good job handling this and proving it can be done and can be done safely and creating wow. their own model and testing everyone, making sure, you know, those rules are followed and, and setting up strict guidelines um, after they initially handled this very poorly, I think. Yeah. Once they kind of, once they finally kind of got a protocol hammered out, they've, I mean, look, they still have people that pop for it. Uh, it's, it's still certainly a problem, but yeah, you know, much flack as I give Dana, uh, and I try to think it's all deserved. I try to give him credit where it's due. When he said someone has to be first, that's true. Somewhat, there is I always think, a guinea pig. I think I, my problem with what the way he, he went about it the wrong way, and he said, Oh, absolutely. Oh, uh, did he you see that? Stu- the event, hang, hang on. To do the event on the Indian reservation was ridiculous. Like, he should not have done that. Did you see that ridiculous, like, propaganda video he put out a few weeks ago that has since been taken down? Which one? Oh, the one about, you know, uh, like that uh blames media for being horrible naysayers and then glorifies his accomplishments it was it, it was political propaganda well, basically. Some of, i mean i mean some of those points i think were a little fair i, th- yeah, I think i mean sure I if you if you wanted points, to some of those points were valid but i think he went about i think early on he went about this the wrong way and he did not pu- he could have he did not publicly manage it he's too he was too overly aggressive and again trying to trying to publicly like do the event at, at and being so cagey about where they were doing the event like it it should not have been done that way it was the wrong way to do it yeah so that was my uh, issue with the handling of this yeah completely all right so the UFC is scheduled to spend all of February at the Apex um 
Again, how reliable that winds up being, we'll have to wait and see. But that's the schedule as it currently stands. Because, like, like just to break this down, like, let's see now, 259, which is scheduled for early March. So that's really, that's just over a month. And, you know, we're still in this pandemic, vaccine or no. So we have Jan Blachowicz, who's based in Poland. So he's based in Europe. He's fighting Adesanya, who – where does Adesanya live right? Where does he train out of right now? New Zealand. Okay, so can he even can he even get out of New Zealand? Yeah. Oh, you, you can leave. Okay. But when you come back, you're, when you come back, uh, I, I don't know. They might – I don't know if they quarantine you for a period of time before you leave. I know that okay. when you come back into the country, you are quarantined for 14 days before you can okay. re-enter so, society. Amanda Nunez, she's in Brazil. No, I think she lives. She's no, no. She lives in Florida. In the U.S. now. I'm pretty sure because she, well, she okay. trains out of, she trains out of ATT. I think she lives in. I'm pretty sure she lives in Florida. Okay, so maybe that, maybe not for her. But what about uh, Megan Anderson? Um, I in the U.S. I don't know where. Uh, I think she does her training camp uh, uh with James Krause in Missouri. I don't know if she okay. lives there full time. Peter Yan is from Russia. Russia He's lives in Russia, trains in Russia. He uh, lives and trains in Russia. And then just officially announced Francis Ngannou versus uh, uh, Stipe Miocic for 260, which is uh, March supposed to happen March 27th. Um, Ngannou, I think he might be training, living and training out of Las Vegas now, though, so that might not be a problem. I, I believe he's. So, I believe so. Yes. But, I know he trains at Vegas. Uh, Volkano- what about Volkanovski? He's also on that card. He's also in Australia. Australia has had some problems with the virus, haven't they? Yeah, Volkanovski splits his training time between Australia and New Zealand. He's associated with the City okay. Kickboxing guys. So those, between those two places. Not just so. So Blahovich might. It might not be an issue, but that. But that might be – it's something to keep an eye on for right now, basically. Um, Gilbert Burns, if his fight with uh, Kamaru well, happens. Well, Burns lives in Florida, too. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I'd have to double-check well, I mean, that, but I'm pretty sure. You also have to worry about, you know, fight, fighters getting the virus. and you have well, to the, be- well, the problem isn't so much the guys at the top of the card. Mm-hmm. It's more the – if you look at the entire card. How many fighters on any given UFC event that takes place in the United States are flying in for that fight? Well, you know, I would say it, it, it's down a lot more. It's a lot more than it used to be. Well, sure, it's less of a headache to replace a preliminary fight than a main event. Shorten the cards for Robert Winfrey. Uh, I would not object. <laughs> the fighters would, because they the fighters would, because they'd stop getting paid. Right. I would not object. So yeah, that's uh, so that's a potential yeah. thing we'll have to be keeping an eye on. You know, what yeah, steps? Definitely keeping an eye on, but until we get like, we still have to see what the announcements are going to be. And, yeah, we and, we need a more detailed plan yeah. from the administration, but we'll see. Uh, given my sort of general disenchantment, I suppose you could say, with uh, the general state of American politics, I'm not optimistic. I can say I can say I should be able to say that without triggering anybody in particular. Uh, again, we try to stay apolitical to the extent that it's possible. 
<laughs> to the extent that it's possible, again, they there intersect you know, sometimes. I, I'm in agreement, Robert. And again, when they intersect and they have to be talked about, we I'm happy to do so. I try very hard to keep my general politics uh, away from this because unless it has a specific point to reach related to what we're discussing. Otherwise, I think it's a little bit masturbatory. Uh, all right, let me check Twitter. But yeah, so think? now it's a UFC 260 and Ganu Steep A2 is set for that card. Uh, does not have a location, but ESPN reported that it will likely be in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, that seems to be where they're kind of aiming at keeping a lot of stuff at the moment. Uh, again, great fight. We talked a little bit about that last week. Steepy uh, I, I I favor Stipe, too. But I will not be surprised if Francis knocks him out. I would be very surprised if Francis won a decision. That would surprise me. I just hope he doesn't have people, like, rubbing towels all over him. That that would be a nice start. He seems to have he seems to have different people in his corner these days, so I don't think we'll see anything like that. Uh, Okay, here we go. ESPN, Brett Okamoto reports Woodley versus Luke uh, at UFC 260 as well. Not official, but that fight's in the works. Uh, Woodley and Luke? Yeah. They are. Oh, God, you had to bring up Tyron Woodley, didn't you? Yeah. Your favorite (laughs) fighter. My favorite actor now. (laughs) Have you seen this? No, what what was it? Oh God. Okay. Somebody put the music. How do I say this? I saw a clip involving him. I don't know the full movie in question. I don't want to. I saw nothing but people bad mouthing it, like in the worst way possible. It involved him. Now this was. I'm going to say this, and you have to just trust me, this was not porn. It involved him sticking his dick in a cage with a raccoon. Now, again, movie, (laughs) so you don't actually see him frontal nudity. But, I mean, like, I don't know. I saw the clip and was... it's on Twitter. Like, if you looked, uh, I think the pissed off T Wood uh, account has has the clip. Like, it was floating around. Grabaka Hitman shared it. Uh, the, you know, a lot of the MMA personalities kind of shared it is around. This a, is this a real thing? Yes, it's a real movie. I it boggles my mind. But yes, I wa- I watched um that MMA movie John Moxley did. Have you heard of this? I have not. What was this movie? It was Cage Fighter. Worlds Collide. Um, I've not seen that. This, like, this, it's, it's, it's definitely, bar, it's like bargain bin movie, like, you pay a dollar, if you saw this for um, one dollar in the bargain bin at Walmart, and you brought it home and watched it, it wouldn't even be worth a dollar, basically. Yeah, but, a lot like that. Like, this movie has, it has Chuck Liddell, Gina Gershon, basically Gina Gershon playing a female Dana White, Chuck Liddell, uh, Luke Rockhold, 
Um, watching Luke Rockhold try to act was a process. There's a reason he got into modeling where he doesn't have to talk. Um, like there's a scene in this movie, like where, uh, like the main character is this, uh, who's also an MMA, a real life MMA fighter, uh, Alex, uh, Montagnani, um, like he, he gets knocked out by a pro wrestler in an MMA fight. Who's John Moxley, whose character's name is Randy Stone. Um, and he gets like, you know, a new coach and Luke Rockhold is like his new, like hotshot coach. And like, um, they're in the locker room and like some naked fighters walk by and he's like, that's what you get when you're not the champion anymore. Nothing but asses in blank. And I'm like, Oh my God. Well, he's (laughs) not wrong. His line delivery, but his, the, the line and like his line delivery was like, it made me shake my head. And then, oh, Christian, former WWE superstar Christian, basically playing Ariel Hawaiian. <laughs> oh, don't, don't tell me that. <laughs> that makes me want to see it. Just it's kind of you know. like you could watch this and like, it's like one of the, it's, does it's, it is one of those so bad it's good kind of things you could oh, watch God. and like, laugh at like laugh at it or have it in the background kind of thing but yeah so when you say so the reason i mention this is when you bring up tyron woodley in a bad movie that's what i think of because usually when mma fighters are in a movie it's like it's not great you know it's usually garbage like this bargain bin garbage yeah so you can find that point being you can find that clip again it was now i want to see around this clip Twitter. as badly as i don't want to watch it now i like, I have to see you it are, now. You are oddly compelled, aren't you? <laughs> I I am. You, you almost want to see if I'm lying or not. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, yesterday, a little before the event, the, it was floating around on Twitter. Uh, is it called Cutthroat City? Is that is that it? I don't know what the movie's called. I genuinely have no idea. It's it. All I saw was this little clip. Uh, that's all I got. And that's all I will ever see of that. Uh, all right. With that particular bit of mental imagery now forever in your mind, let's move on to plugs and go ahead and close up shop here. So, Jeff, what do you oh got to plug? Oh, my God, I found the clip. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Don't do it. Don't Save yourself. You know I was, lo- you know I was being honest. Save yourself. No, God. I will <laughs> Now I want. I, I, I have no regrets. Robert. This is your fault. I told you to save yourself. All right. Anyway, moving on. Plugs. What do you got to plug? Okay. Apart so. Uh, well, uh, you have to unplug the bleach for your eyes after that, but on a more serious I note. Wash my eyes out with ble- I want to wash my eyes out with lava after seeing that. Gotta go put out the old mind's eye. My God. It's gonna give me. That's gonna give me nightmares. Okay. Um. Oh. So review of WandaVision, if I, I might have already met, WandaVision reviewed the first three episodes uh, over in movies, and um, that's about it for right now. Yeah. Uh, all right, what do I got? I don't think I have anything too new. Again, the double review from last week. No event this coming Saturday, uh, but we'll be back here next week to preview the event for the 6th of February. Uh 
I think my schedule picks up in February for stuff I'm going to be doing. Oh, I just got tagged in this. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, my schedule for February, very brief preview for this. Um, the, I will be doing, oh, on the 30th, I will be doing alternate commentary with Mark Rydledge for the boxing bout between Plant and Truex. Uh, Caleb Plant was kind of angling for a fight with Canelo. That seems to have gone by the wayside. Canelo signed a two-fight deal with Eddie Hearn. So he will deal with his mandatory out of Turkey. And then talking about uh, a, uh, who are they talking about? Name just completely escaped me. Uh, some kind of super fight with Billy Joe Saunders. That's it. Uh, to potentially get Canelo another title because he wants all the 168 pound belts. Caleb Plant has one of them is kind of the thinking there. So that still might be on the horizon for him. Starting in February uh, on Groundhog Day, Mark and I will review the Netflix movie Outside the Wire, which seems to be a giant dud. We'll have a TV party for Disenchantment Part 3, which I quite enjoyed. Uh, later in the month, uh, movie reviews, stuff like Willy's Wonderland, because movies are dead. I'm kind of looking forward to that, though, for uh, various reasons. So anyway, more on that as it becomes more and more relevant. Uh, see you guys. You know, Hopefully you'll you follow my stuff on the Rattle and Broadcasting Network. You can follow their Facebook page. They're a subgroup of the W2M Network in terms of podcasting, so wherever you're listening to this, you can find them via W2M or Wrestling to the Max, uh, that network. I contribute there on occasion when they want me to slash I want to. On the rare occasion, those two things intersect. Uh, all right. That is going to be it for me as far as plugs go. Thank you all again very, very much for being here and listening. Thank you for listening to us ramble and remind you that there is a scene of Tyron Woodley having to act like his groin is being attacked by a raccoon. Uh, almost as uh, almost uh, as bad as hang on, uh, almost as, almost as bad as poor Mark Boone Jr. in the Too Fast Too Furious movie having to act like a rat was attacking him, and having to actually verbalize what was going on. Just the the worst dialogue possible. I felt so bad for him in that scene. Oh, the rat! It's scratching me. Oh God! That's, ugh. That's not actually how you do that form of torture anyway, but I've ranted about that particular sequence in that entire franchise in the past. So for Jeff Harris, who is going to try and save some semblance of his sanity, I'm Robert Winfrey. I gave up on mine a long time ago. As always, everyone stay safe out there and please continue to be well, be safe and behave. <laughs>